This is episode 485 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, The Most Surprising Bob Facts, A Study of Evacuation Preparedness. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, before we jump into this very fun article for this podcast, I wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Audible. Now, Audible books were one of the inspirations for this podcast. I purposely don't add bumper music to the podcast because I want it to feel more like an audiobook that just starts and provides value. So I love to learn and grow through audiobooks. In Audible through Amazon, it makes that very easy. So if you're not a member of Audible, they have a new thing that just came out a few hours before I recorded this episode. Now you get five free audiobooks when you set up or you sign up for a free trial. Now that is one of, that's a crazy, crazy deal. Now just recently I got through finishing uh, one of the audiobooks by Francis Chan, Letters to the Church. I highly recommend that if you're a person of faith. And I also found out tonight before I started recording this episode that my good friend Mark Goodwin, his new book is out. It's Cyber Armageddon is the series, and this one's called Rise of the Locust. It's a post-apocalyptic techno thriller. In any way, so this is available. It's going to be released. Uh, the ebook or through Kindle will be released next week, but you can download the audiobook now. And so, you know, somebody's already reviewed it. So I thought that was kind of cool. So if you are into fiction and uh, you know, apocalyptic type fiction, uh, then you can go ahead and get this this one right now. And it, it would be free. Normally, it's like a $20 book, but you get it free. And the cool thing is you, I mean, you get five free books. So anyway, I wanted to point that out because that's a new thing. Before in the past, you would only get two free uh, audiobooks. And now you get five. So that's pretty amazing. So if you don't use Audible, right now is the time to become a member. I don't know how long they'll have the five free audiobooks or if they'll go ever go back to two free audiobooks but uh, I think this is a great deal again like I said it's free and the the audiobooks that you download they're yours so anyway just wanted to point that out I'll continue to point that out as long as they have that this deal and then when it goes to two books or whatever I still think that's a great deal because you get two free books just for the trial but anyway so I'll have a link in the show notes if you're interested in that all right, so let's go ahead and jump into this article. It's a, it's a fun one. It comes to us from theprepperjournal.com. And so the material is very interesting. But the reason I say it's fun, because it's kind of sarcastic, kind of funny. And uh, really, I mean, that speaks to me. I'm a little sort of sarcastic when it comes to it. Uh, that, I guess, I don't know, that doesn't always come out maybe on the, on the podcast. But uh, it's very true in life. So anyway, I, I really, you know, get into this one because there's a lot of uh, sarcasm and it's just funny. At least it's funny to me. And so hopefully you'll think it's funny as well as providing you some insight and some some thoughts because, uh, well, anyway, let me shut up. Let me stop yapping. Let me go ahead and read this article and then I'll come back on the back end and talk a little bit about it. 
Again, it's called The Most Surprising Bob Facts, A Study of Evacuation Preparedness, and it's coming to us from theprepperjournal.com. Let's start reading. If you've ever tried to hash out a list of important supplies that you and yours would need in case of an emergency, then you probably know just how fascinating and challenging the whole process can be. It starts with the realization that you need a list in the first place. Perhaps this insight is triggered by all the recent hurricanes wiping out entire towns, or maybe it's the mass evacuation, also known as wildfires, rising tensions between world powers, emergence of another financial bubble, or just untrustworthy plumbing in the basement. Whatever the motivation, you decide that some preparations would be a wise course of action just in case your family needs to leave home for a few days. And, of course, the best way to prepare for something is to make a list, something that will not only help assure that you don't forget the important stuff, but also something that will remind you to buy extra batteries, for instance, next time you go shopping. Just a couple of things jotted down on a notepad. What you probably didn't know at the time was once you put pencil to paper, you initiated a literary and educational process that will gradually evolve into a full-on comprehensive preppers bug out bag checklist. Writing down spare food as an example leads to wondering about how best to eat the food. After all, eating with your hands is unsanitary. A fork and spoon are scribbled down. Speaking of being unsanitary, you read somewhere that poor hygiene can cause all sorts of horrible digestive ailments. Better add wet wipes to the list and maybe some hand sanitizer to be safe. The next question that comes to mind is, what kind of food? The kids sure do love SpaghettiOs. Four or five cans of that should suffice and, of course, throw in a can opener and some microwave-safe bowls. Later, when your backpack is stuffed to capacity with things from your ever-growing list and it has become heavy enough to give a mule a backache, the checklist evolves in order to reflect the realities of weight, space, and practicality. The spoon and fork are scratched in favor of a spork, and the standard kitchen can opener is now a P38. The microwave-safe bowls, which turn out to be pointless when there's no power, are replaced with a cooking pot, camp stove, and stainless steel mugs. After reading the nutritional labels on SpaghettiOs, albeit delicious and adored by children, you realize that processed pasta in tomato-flavored sauce cannot possibly sustain one strength for three days straight. Your list is further updated to reflect more appropriate foods like power bars, dried fruit, or better yet, a variety of freeze-dried dishes that you just recently learned about during your unexpected college-equivalent studies of nutrition, shelf-life variables, and food handling safety. And the process just keeps chugging along. Your original notation of knife turned into a plethora of assorted cutting implements plus one wire saw. Although matches were one of the first items you ever wrote down, a dozen different fire starting methods were since discovered, each with its own list-worthy merits. And finally, as soon as you reach the third written column of bug-out necessities and what you believe has got to be the end, you start finding better versions of what you already have, such as gear that is lighter weight made of better materials or designed with newly integrated functions. The Troll is now a ultra-light titanium 9-in-1 shovel-axe hybrid with a built-in bottle opener. Before you know it, your original handwritten post-it note is now a 72-item spreadsheet complete with categorization, subclasses, and military designations. Well, 
Maybe that's not how everyone develops their bug out checklist, but there are many people that do. There are also just as many who have sensibly copied most or all of theirs from one of the many great sources available on the internet. Some lists were created using just life experiences, while others delved deep into the prepper world, researching every piece of gear, measuring the exact dimensions, and performing extensive field tests that are, by the way, widely available on YouTube. The fact is, no matter how or why an emergency checklist is created, there are almost as many variations as there are people writing them. So what's an OCD beginner prepper going to do in order to make a truly perfect list? The answer, perform a ridiculously lengthy internet consensus in order to find out what everyone else has listed. This 2018 study of evacuation preparedness analyzed randomly generated internet images and websites in which every item on every qualified list was counted. It started with over 500 potential candidates, but was dwindled down to 132 in order to meet preset criteria. Sorry, but bridal shower survival kit did not make the grade. The survey gave no priority to any particular author or group and was extremely diverse, taking into account amateurs, government agencies, professional websites, and everything in between, including the occasional self-proclaimed bushcraft master. It was meticulous, not just scoring for certain items, but also for their general categories. For instance, a survival knife not only counted for its namesake, but also counted just once for the category of knives no matter how many instances other knives may have appeared. This helped assure that the number would not get skewed by, say, a super ambitious knife enthusiast who detailed 17 cutting implements out of a total of 22 items. You know who you are, Stephen 11818. <laughs> to be eligible, the list had to be bug out specific, such as, well, a bug out bag or evacuation kit, a 72 hour bag, go bag, a good, or inch, and so forth. The survey did not use shelter in place, get home bags, bug out vehicles, hurricane readiness, or other non-evacuation related designations. A duplicate list by the same author were omitted as were non-English and photo only documents. They had to be in a legible written format with labels and not just a picture of someone's gear spread out on a coffee table. The objective of the study was to find out what people thought was best to pack for an evacuation scenario and nothing else, and the results were amazing and in many cases absolutely surprising. Here are the top eight most surprising finds about Bob Checklist. So number eight, there's a margin of error. It might be a little surprising to learn that a simple study comprised of counting items on closely related checklists has a true indefinable margin of error. In this case, it is plus or minus 2%. Why? The main reason is due to the great diversity and nearly limitless imaginations of the people writing the list. Not everyone calls a flashlight a flashlight. It can be denoted as a torch by writers from the UK or as a portable, non-flammable light source by those folks who must really just loathe simplicity. And although most checklists are easy enough to understand, but unfortunately there are a few that can get downright tricky. For instance, individually packaged isopropanol treated cloth paper parcels is definitely overcomplicating the description of wet wipes. In contrast, something shiny 
is a uniquely vague way of describing a survival mirror, or does it mean a flare or fishing lure? The point is, although the numbers reflected in the study are for all intents very accurate, the potential for technical translation inaccuracies means that there is a 2% margin of error. So number seven is unsung heroes. Most survivalists have a great appreciation for gear that has multiple uses. Even when something is made for a very specific reason, a troop prepper will seek out some other purposes in order to best justify acceptance of a new piece of equipment. Because of this, many notable items on checklists can be utilized for more than just one or two tasks. As an example, trash bags, listed 46% of the time, can not only be used for hauling rubbish as they were intended, but can also be fashioned into a makeshift poncho, water moccasins, rain collectors, and much more. What was unbelievable about the study of Bob Checklist was how some of the most diverse, easiest to pack, and most readily available items were also some of the most overlooked. Dental floss was only listed 12% of the time, while chapstick and bandanas were both mentioned on only 11% of lists. There are many detailed articles and videos that exist explaining the numerous functions and benefits of each of those three items, and yet, for whatever reason, they were all still listed less often than a comb at 21%. It's true, a comb, with really no significant survival virtue, was listed twice as often as a bandana as an essential item that should be packed in case of a disaster. So number six was pillows. Adding a pillow to a survival checklist is probably no surprise, at least not to the 11% that actually did. Yes, better than 1 in 10 checklist writers favor a pillow as a necessary item for their emergency bags. Not a hiker's pillow, not a travel pillow, not an inflatable, just a pillow. It's one of those items that will make a checklist connoisseur cringe, not unlike hair gel, shower shoes, and an electric blanket. For the space a regular pillow will consume, you could add more food, water, basically anything else. Add a teddy bear, at least it's dual purpose. You can help comfort your child and then steal it back later to rest your head on. Even a really small pillow will weigh about 15 ounces and take up 30 cubic inches, give or take. This is the equivalent of one can of food, half a liter of water, 500 matches, or a good quality multi-tool. There are many things, in fact, that would be better suited for the otherwise wasted space, particularly if it's something that can help in the continuation of life for another day. Number five is tags. So if you look closely at some Bob checklist, mostly those written by professional websites, you will occasionally, one in 20 plus or minus, run across an item that makes you say, why on earth is that here? It'll be something that seems unintentional, a human error, or at best an attempt at humor. But as you reread it to make sure it's not just your overtired eyes, you realize that these tags are always near the end of a particularly lengthy checklist and always fall into perfect rhythm with the other list items. At a glance, they seem to belong there, but turn out to be just ridiculous. Some examples of tags are a goat, three millimeter ammo, barbed wire, and a fire plug, among others. 
By the way, putting a goat, dead or alive, inside a backpack cannot end well for anyone. Perhaps these oddities are truly just jokes, or perhaps they are a clever way of tracking one's copyrighted material so that if someone cuts and pastes shoveler-er, for instance, then the original author gets to say, aha, gotcha, list thief, that's a duck. Whatever their purpose, the tags definitely add some unexpected yet welcome amusement to the task of counting Bob checklists. Number four is the significance of eating. A person can easily go three days without food. It is actually not unheard of for people to intentionally fast for as long as 21 days. However, what a few Bob checklist authors fail to realize when completely omitting food from their list is that inanition will quickly lead to a loss of energy and strength and will even impair the ability to reason, all of which can mean the difference between life and death during a crisis. Moreover, if you go too long without eating, your vital organs and muscle mass will begin to shrink as your body literally starts eating itself to stay alive. With such menacing consequences, it is quite amazing that only 86% of Bob checklists cited food. On the other hand, food is arguably one of the most complicated resources to plan for on any prepper checklist. You have to find a balance between weight, bulk, shelf life, caloric and protein content, and of course, it has to be something you are willing to eat. Pemmican would undoubtedly be on every checklist if it was even slightly appealing, but since it is not, food bars were the most referenced at 42%, followed closely by canned goods at 38%. All right, so just the canned goods in a bug out bag, just no, (laughs) don't ever do that. Number three, nothing unanimous. Not one item, or even a single category for that matter, was listed 100% of the time on all Bob checklists. The most mentioned item category was first aid at 93%. Again, the study was detailed and in order to not be counted, the checklist had to be entirely devoid of any emergency medical reference whatsoever. This means that there are list makers out there who actually created an emergency checklist without including anything related to emergency medical needs. Or to put it another way, if you decide it's finally time to prepare for a hurricane, wildfire, or whatever, and you choose to just copy a random checklist from Google, there's about a 1 in 11 chance that you will not have so much as a single band-aid in your emergency disaster kit. So number two, water is number two. The number two most listed item found on Bob checklist was water at 88%. Believe it or not, water just wasn't crucial enough to be first on every list. To be fair, however, a handful of lists that failed to mention the most important survival resource that you will ever need did at least include other related items such as water containers, like canteens. Presumably under the assumption that these containers would be filled with water at some point. Even when adding in the indirect references, water only rose to 92%. Maybe some list authors just forgot water or maybe it was intentionally skipped due to how difficult it can be to account for properly. After all, water is heavy and bulky. The standard one gallon per day per person for 72 hours would easily consume a big chunk of any bug out bag available space. But leaving it off a survival checklist 
entirely is quite astonishing considering how important it is for staying alive. Water purification methods, which were listed 56% of the time, were also taken into account, but oddly enough, those lists that had water purification almost always had mention of water itself and or water containers as well, so purification methods had little influence on the end result, which is not even water made every emergency checklist. And the number one finding, there's EDC in my Bob. What's most surprising about Bob checklists is that a full one-third, 34%, specifically state common everyday carry items as things that should be packed away in a bug out bag, most notably cell phones and driver's license. Should anyone take such lists literally, the following scenario could very well happen. You're driving home and you hear the faint muffled ringtone of your cell phone. You were expecting a very important call from your agent regarding a recently lost medical insurance card, so you reach back and lug your bug out bag onto the passenger seat. You abruptly begin the tedious task of unpacking layers of equipment and survival gear in a frantic attempt to find the phone. Just when you think you've reached the right compartment, the flashing lights of a highway patrol car catches your eye. You must have inadvertently swerved when you glanced away to get your pack from the back seat. You pull over and as anticipated, the trooper cites you for crossing the yellow line. And he gives you a second ticket for not being able to provide your driver's license. You actually know exactly where your license is. It's in a plastic baggie at the bottom of your bug out bag, along with, you suddenly recall, the previously presumed lost medical insurance card. But you wisely elected not to retrieve your ID due to concerns over how the police officer might react if you pulled out the 10-inch Bowie knife that blocked you from reaching the document's baggie. Thanks to the EDC-laden checklist you copied a few days earlier, you now have two tickets, a sprained right bicep from awkwardly lifting a 30-pound pack with one hand, your passenger seat is covered in the mound of camping gear, paracord, and tangled fishing line, and your cell phone is currently cracked from where the 40-ounce can of baked beans rolled on top of it as you were obediently pulling onto the uneven shoulder of the busy freeway. Oh yeah. And you just narrowly avoided brandishing a mini machete in the direction of an armed law enforcement officer. In other words, EDC in your bob never turns out good. So for anyone who's trying to keep score, here's the top 10 most listed bob items from the evacuation preparedness study. Nothing really surprising. So first aid was at 93%. Water was at 88%. 92% if you count the indirect references. Flashlight was at 87%. Food was at 86%. Radio was at 82%. Extra batteries, 81%. Knife, 68%, clothing, 67%, cash, 65%, and sleeping bag and blankets at 65%. All right, guys, so that's the end of the article. Uh, I Again, I thought it was very entertaining, but at the same time, gives you a little bit of information because bug out bags is one of those important topics that everybody, when you first come into preparedness, that's the sexy thing everybody wants to do. And that's really, when you think about it, when you first start out, it's like, okay, that's something, it seems like small enough that I can go ahead and get, right? And so people are like, you need a bug out bag. So people start getting into it. But the idea here is that if you just go copy, 
If you just go copy a checklist that is found on the internet somewhere, you are more than likely not going to have everything you need or it's not, it's not going to meet all of your needs. So again, that's why we talk a lot about preparedness is personalization where you need to really make it what you need uh, it to be for you, right? So you know exactly what you need. And so anyway, maybe there's, you know, there's all these different caveats that go along with it. So maybe the person that didn't include water, maybe they understood, maybe they had a container, but they understood that water is very heavy. So in their bug out plan, they have different places where they can stop and get water and they've already marked that. That's not a suggestion that, you know, you should do, but I think you should always have water with you, but maybe that's their thinking behind it, right? So again, you really need to think things through on what you would need. And that's what, you know, that's another reason why a lot of the, a lot of people say you need to practice, you need to do run throughs, you need to do scenario planning. You know, one of the things that we do when we're creating lessons in the department that, I, that I'm working with now is we, we might create a lesson and then we ask people to run through it. You know, if it's a technology lesson or if it's one that, uh, you know, that we want people to just it, it take you step by step, we ask someone to, to run through it so that if, you know, if, if, if they're running through it, if they, you know, there's any hiccups, then they, they find those. A lot of the times, you know what you have in your head and sometimes it doesn't make it, it doesn't always make it to paper. And so that's, that's, you know, one of those things that you need to consider if you are building a kit, you're building your bug out bag, you've got to, you got to take that into consideration. I like the idea of more having the, the overall categories, right? You know, you need to have the, the, there's, there's categories that you should have. So for instance, Dave Canterbury has five C's of survivability and you can easily move this into categories for a kit, right? And so the five C's would be cutting tool, combustion device, cover, container, and cordage. And so, you know, that's, it's not going to cover food. It definitely doesn't cover food, but, you know, you can start thinking in those overall big categories and in, Hey, what do I need in this? You know, how, how can I fulfill survivability uh, in, in these different categories? What would it look like for me? And, you know, that would be one way to kind of think about things like that. There's a lot of good stuff here in this article, things to consider. But again, um, it goes back to the point of it's not it wouldn't be smart to just copy someone's list. It's not smart. I, I don't believe in, in my opinion to just buy a pre-made survival kit or bug out bag uh, and, and kind of go from there. I always believe that it's better if you make your own and you test out and you experiment and you you know your gear yourself before you really need it. And so you, you have that familiarity with it so that you can use it when the time comes. The last thing I wanna say here is if you are looking to build a kit or you're wanting to look into more uh, information about you know building kits and things like that, I did create, when I first started the podcast, I did go to Prepper website. I went into the Prepper website archives and I pulled all the best articles on different kits. So I looked at EDC, I looked at bug out bags, inch, uh, and inch stands for I'm never coming home, and uh, get home bags, and I put them all on one page, uh, all these links. So it's really, it's like the kit link bomb 
uh, page on the Prepper website podcast. And so if you go to the main page, you can go and click on that and you can, you know, you can go see all those articles and there's a ton of stuff there. I mean, you can just, you know, you can spend a lot of time there. And so I would warn you that, to not do that. Uh, you know, click on a few articles a day, maybe if you're, you know, just go look at one section or, or whatever, right? The other thing that you can find there is a free PDF. I used to include it in uh, when you signed up for my email list, but, you know, I've, I've moved on to other things, but it's now it's just a free PDF that you can download where I've asked several of my friends in the preparedness community from different different styles of preparedness, where you might have somebody who is more into to bushcraft type stuff, more into, you know, survival, more into, uh, you know, hey, I'm... Uh, I'm not planning on really bugging out. I'm going to be bugging in. But I just asked them, what are the most important preps in your kit? You know, share those those most important items. And they just listed them out. So if you want to go take a look at that list there. And again, it is not a complete list. It is just their top items that they would want to make sure that they have in any of their li- in any of their kits. Um, that's going to be free on the preparedness uh, or, or on the Prepper website podcast and uh, or on the Prepper website podcast.com. And so you can go check that out and uh, and see that there and download it for free. And, uh, you know, there's some interesting things there as well. So, again, that's going to be on the main page. There's uh, you just scroll down to the middle of the page and you'll get a uh, th- there's a link there. And then you can download the free PDF and then all the other, you can check out all the other links that are there. And really, I need to look at, uh, we've, we've done a lot of other articles on Prepper website since then. I need to come and maybe update um, this list. And so uh, I, I think that's a, it's a good one that you should check out. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 485. I hope you enjoyed this fun episode. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes, including the Facebook group and also the Prepper website where you can go and find articles every single day on preparedness. And so with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.